0: How many ready for the Word? All right, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, will you just, just bless the Word? I, I need you to bless the Word. I need you to go with me on this journey this morning, Lord. I need you to speak through me. And we just pray that everyone will hear with ears, willing to receive the Word of God. And we'll be careful to praise you in all this. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, and the church agrees, amen. Praise the Lord. So we're beginning a series called The Way, the Truth, and the Life, and today I want to talk about the narrow way, and I don't know that I've ever been more attacked on a message. It's been a long time, attacked on this message, not physically, just spiritually attacked I don't think that the enemy wants this told in fact some of you are going to be like "Mm, I don't know about that I, I don't know many people I don't know actually I don't know anyone actually preaching this the way I'm going to preach it and it's going to take four Sundays for you to get it so I have to endure it that long But I think if you get this, it's going to be transformational. It's going to be very. It's going to. It's going to bless you. It's going to make you look at things completely different. Okay. So I want to talk about the narrow way. Let's look at some scriptures that we all are familiar with, but perhaps we don't take seriously. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were what? They were fishermen. Are they preachers? No, they're fishermen. Read the word. Then he said to them, did he say, come to the altar and get saved? Interesting. Interesting. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, not disciplers. They immediately left their nets and followed him. We'll talk about that in a minute. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat, and their father, and followed him. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. When he had called the people to himself, with his disciples also he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and... Are we getting a pattern here? For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Enter by the for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and deaf. Difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. There are few who find it. I want to turn this Scripture on its head because every time we read this, we assume it means that there's not many people going to heaven. It doesn't say hard is the way. It says narrow is the way. It's not, when it says the way, we always think the way to heaven. I don't think that, it might be saying that, but that's not all it's saying. When it says the way, it's not talking about a way into heaven, it's talking about a way to live. And it's a narrow way. Following Jesus doesn't leave a whole lot to the imagination. You need to do what Jesus did. You need to be a disciple and follow him and not just be a Christian. Narrow is the way. The world has a worldview, as they say. The world has a philosophy. The world has a way of doing things. The the world has a way of believing things. Amen. And they're trying to press that on the church. And unfortunately, there's a lot of pastors buying into it, trying to make people feel more comfortable as long as looking and acting like the world. Church, we're going to see more of this because, because the world is looking less and less and less like Jesus, and we're going to stand out more and more and more and it's going to be more difficult to stand and say I am a Christian I follow Jesus not the world view wow too many people are just getting saved but they're not becoming disciples this this kind of salvation message that we're all used to. I've preached it. Everyone preaches it. But when you study history, it's actually pretty new. It's this kind of uh, the altar call kind of thing is really something that only developed after World War II. And when we, I mean, listen, what we do, I've done it, right? If you want to be a Christian, come up here, confess your sins ask him to forgive you, believe that he died on the cross, and you're in. And Jesus didn't preach any of that. I'm not against it. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying it's incomplete. We can't just call people to forgiveness, hope for faithfulness, and maybe a few be followers, the three Fs when really we're letting people think that this is all about, that the way, Jesus is the way. In other words, Jesus is the way to heaven. No, Jesus is the way to live. Are you, are you okay? Jesus is the way to live, not just the way to heaven. This is not about just getting your ticket stamped. This is about being a follower Salvation is not just about what you were saved from, but what you're saved for. And really, when you listen to a lot of the music today on the radio, Christian music, and you listen to preachers, it's you know, it's all you know, it's all about you know, we're thankful for this, we you know, you know, God saved us and, and all this stuff, but there's not a whole lot about following. Does anyone know who Keith Green is, the singer? You almost have to be old. When I got saved, Keith Green was the man. And we listened to and he's got that song, Jesus commands us to go, but we go the other way. <laughs> Come on. He commands us to go, not just not just get your sins forgiven. Romans 12, 1 and 2, familiar, right? We know this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and not be <clears throat> conformed to this world, but be by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's more to this than just getting your ticket stamped. And we have got to preach this in the last days, and churches that don't are going to be in trouble. Now, to get this, to get this, you need to understand what Jesus did when He said, "Follow Me." I want you to get. Let's let's go into let's let's be Jewish for a moment. Can you all do that? And let's be fishermen and and evil tax collectors. Who wants to be that? <clears throat> I had one hand raised. Okay, thank you. (laughs) You might actually be able to do that. All right, watch this now. They didn't have schools like we have today. Kids didn't go to classrooms for nine months out of the year or whatever and and learn, you know, the three R's. Here's what they did. Jewish boys, Jewish boys went to what was called Bet Sefer, which is the house of the book. And they started school when they were five years old. And, and by school, I mean that they would meet with a rabbi and learn. But watch, here's what the, by the age 13, they had completely memorized the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. This is every, I don't think the girls were required But boys had to go. Can you imagine by the age 13, you had completely, every Jewish boy will have memorized the first five books of the Bible, even Leviticus and all the (laughs) begats, and properly pronounce all those names. All right. That's, That's amazing. Now, 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 at 13, a lot of them, the majority of them just went home and did their thing. They did whatever their dad did or apprenticeship or something you know but the best and brightest the best and the brightest are you hearing me went to bet midrash the house of learning and between 13 and 17 by the way remember remember jesus was about 12 years old when he was debating with the with the scholars in the temple so from 13 to 17 you would go to the house of learning if if you were really like top, what, 10%, whatever, okay? And, and you were, you were, the, you were the, the best of the best. You get to go. You get picked. You can't choose to go. You get picked to go. And by the age 17, 13 to 17, now you have memorized the entire Old Testament. Memorized it. So I guess what part of your calling is a good memory? I never would have made it. I I blame the drugs, and now I blame old age, but, you know, it's there it is. But watch this. The best of the best, and I don't know what this is, maybe maybe 1% now, get to apply. They could apply to apprentice under a rabbi, the best of the best, and the rabbi will, you know, question them and interview them, and if he accepts them, if, if this is like going to an Ivy League school. I mean, most people can't afford it. You can't do it. But if the rabbi thought that someday you could be a rabbi, he would say two things to the student in this application process or at the end of it. Guess what he would say? He would say, follow me. One out of a hundred, maybe one out of a thousand would get the call. Are you beginning to understand something going on here? Jesus was a rabbi. He goes to a couple illiterate fishermen who only probably got through the first school. They memorized the Old Testament. They're done. Their, their, their dads were fishermen. They're fishermen the rest of their life. A rabbi comes up to them and says, follow me. Do you, I mean, this was, you got to understand, this was the ultimate dream of every Jewish boy. There there was no other occupation that you would have... I mean, to be a rabbi would be the ultimate thing you could do in life. And you don't have the choice to pursue it. Someone has to see that in you and call you to it. And you have to go through all these stages and all this stuff. And Jesus just walks up to a couple fishermen and says, Follow me. Now maybe you can understand why they threw away their nets... Because this was the most amazing thing that's ever happened in the history of Israel. No rabbi had ever called a couple dim-witted fishermen to follow him. And then he goes on to all the 12, and he says, follow me, follow me. There were no altar calls to repent of their sins. Now, Jesus does say repent and be baptized. We understand that. You have to repent. You can't live in sin and be a disciple. We understand that. you got to change your ways. We understand that. But the call wasn't to repent. The call was to be a follower. Is anybody getting this? Can you imagine now from now on when we make an altar call, we're not going to say if you want to be a Christian, come down to the altar repent of your sins and you're in I think now we need to say if you want to follow Jesus And listen we and, we and that doesn't even explain it all I think we need to say if you want to follow the way that Jesus told us to follow and follow him in it Now are you willing to come Repent of your sins and start following Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of people getting saved one Sunday and they don't show up the next Sunday. They got their ticket stamp. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm going to shop around. Everyone shops for churches nowadays. It's a shopping thing to see who can meet my needs The word Christian, I'm, I'm, I'm all over my notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> Poor guy's up there. Christ, the word Christian is in the Bible three times. That's it. And I think one of those times, the May time, is, is when it said the, the, they, the people of the way were first called Christians at Antioch. About, what's that, maybe 20 years after the resurrection? They were called Christians, but it was a derogatory thing. The word Christian means little Christ. All these little Christs. It was a derogatory thing, but it caught on. But 269 times were called disciples. (laughs) Boy, I'm just going to kick Christian out the door. And from now on, we're disciples. Quit asking people if they want to be a Christian. Ask them if they want to be a disciple. No wonder they dropped their nets. They dropped their income. They dropped their lifestyle. They dropped everything because they could not believe that this rabbi, and by the way, he was no ordinary rabbi. I I don't think I put the Scriptures in there about the way they talked. Yeah, I did uh, Luke 4.22. Maybe that's it so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth and they said is this not Joseph's son how could this guy be a rabbi Mark chapter 1 verse 22 and they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority not as the scribes Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus was a rabbi above rabbi. There were rabbis all over the place uh, accumulating little groups of disciples. But Jesus was like, wow, this rabbi is amazing. And there were several rabbis at the time of Jesus walking around collecting their little group of disciples. But they had to go through that process. But Jesus Pick people that had no business being rabbis. I don't know about you, but I'm, a, I'm still amazed that he picked me. Come on. I, I, I didn't have the schooling. I didn't have the, amen. I was just a little Catholic boy, amen. He chose me. That should amaze you that he chose you. And if you just get over yourself and quit thinking in terms of, well, you know, uh, you know, I did uh, uh, repent of my sins, and no, I'm a no, 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 no. You accepted the call to follow Him. It, it's not even just about faithfulness; it's about walking the way, living the way. It's one thing to get people to get forgiven and then, boy, that next step, you know, getting them to, to, be, to be faithful and obedient and, and you, know, you know, let's not break any of the rules. But then to get them to that third level, and there's the problem. We put levels to this. And you actually hear preachers say, how many want to go deeper? You were called to Deep. You don't have a choice to go deeper. You were called to the deep. Oh, the enemy doesn't like this. I really don't know where you're at with this, but you, we've, we, if we can get this and quit being Christians and start being disciples, watch this. So here was the goal if you were a young man, three goals. Number one, to be with your rabbi. They didn't just go to school for a few hours a day. They would walk with him, talk with him, sleep with him, eat with him. They were with him a lot. You want to be with your rabbi. Number two, you want to become like your rabbi. That's your goal. You want to be like him. And the third one is to do as your rabbi did. I want you to catch this. Are you ready? I heard one man say it this way. He said, discipleship, a disciple is a noun, not a verb. Nowhere in the Scriptures do we see the word discipling. Nowhere in the scriptures do we say so-and-so discipled so-and-so. It's not a verb. It's not something you do. It's something you are. And you don't really have any choice in the matter. It's not about going deeper. You're deep the minute he calls you. You're in this. You're in it. Now, Now, get this. Sometimes people will complain and say, man, my pastor never discipled me. What they're really saying is they didn't get enough attention. I want you to get this. I'm not the one to disciple you because I'm not your rabbi. If I disciple you, you're going to be like me, but you may not be like Jesus. Now, now I know <laughs> I'm talking myself out of a job here. I, and <laughs> let me get my pay cut. What am I doing? <laughs> I know Paul says, "Follow me as I follow the Lord," but how do you know you're following? How do you know Paul is following the Lord if you don't know the Lord? So either way, you got to know. You know, I can help in the process, but it's like copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. It keeps getting worse as you copy it. Maybe not anymore. I don't know. But back when copiers were first invented, how many remember that? How many remember carbon paper? Amen. Where's where's star? Oh my god, stars. The car remember the carbon paper days? One mistake. How many remember whiteout? How many remember telephones hanging on a wall? All right, forget it. How many remember getting that cord tangled? I, I gotta stop, I gotta stop. Oh Jesus if you're following a rabbi, a rabbi that followed a rabbi that followed a rabbi that followed a rabbi that followed Jesus, I'm not sure you're getting a clear picture of Jesus. I, listen, I'm going to quit. I'm not your discipler. I can come alongside. I can help. I can advise. I can do uh, you know, a lot of things. But you, until you make Jesus your rabbi, until you decide that you're a follower of him, not me. Well, I was pastor preaching today, uh, it's not about your pastor, it's about Jesus. And until you decide you're a follower of Jesus, I can't help you. You don't want to be made in my image. I mean, it's probably better than what you got now. It's better than you leading yourself. (laughs) Well, come on. You're just laughing not saying amen. I'm not sure what your laugh means. (laughs) But I'm here to tell you we have got to realize Jesus is the only one who can disciple us. Wow. Okay. Mark chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. How many are still with me? It's really weak. Then he appointed 12. He appointed 12. What was the reason? That they might be with him. That's your calling. I don't know what my calling. Your calling is to be with him. If you don't get that one, you're not going to get any of the others right. And then he might send them out to preach and have power to heal sickness. We like that last part. It's that first part that we miss, that we're called to be with him. So our goals in life are, number one, to be with Jesus. you got to figure that out. What does that mean to be with him? And then we, our second goal is to be like him. And preachers will preach those two things, but they don't always preach the third thing. We need to be doing what he did. And then I thought, wait a minute. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. With, like, do, way, truth, life. He didn't say, I do do these things. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I'm your rabbi follow me 2000 years later he's still gathering disciples oh come on and praise the lord amen <laughs> one person said learning wasn't about just about retaining data as it is today as it was about going, gaining essential wisdom for living, absorbing it from those around him. Going to school meant you were with someone that you could follow. It's interesting that, like I said, that Christ, they weren't called Christians at first. But watch what they were being called. Here here's just three examples. Acts chapter 9, verse 2. And they asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way they were transferring from church to church and they wanted to make sure they were of the oh the way capital w acts nineteen verse twenty three and about that time there grows a great commotion about the way capital w acts twenty four and verse fourteen but this I confess you that according to, uh, that according to the which they, call, which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers. This is an unbeliever talking. Believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. So according to the way, some people called it a sect. No one's calling it Christian. They are the way. Can I get an amen? Matthew 7, verse 21 not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. When are we going to start taking this seriously? But he who does, he didn't even say obey. It says he who does the will of Paul, of my father. When are we going to take this seriously that it's not, listen, Again, Keith Green, he got this song. He says, "He says, what is a Christian? He said, is a Christian someone who prays? No, everyone, a lot of people pray. Is it about people who say they're a Christian? No, it's not because Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord. Jesus said, I, you know, you prayed, but I don't know you. You did good deeds, but I don't know you. Because you're not following. You can even believe and not follow. Oh, I believe all that. Yeah, but but are you following Jesus? One person said, for Jesus, salvation is less about getting you into heaven and more about getting heaven into you. But churches today are all about. I mean, whole denominations. The whole—they they have an altar call every Sunday. It's all about get them in, get them in, get them in, get them in. It's like we're rounding up sheep. Yeah, it's really herding cats. No wonder so many pastors—you know—I'm I'm coaching like four different churches right now, and and the main problem is people wanting to do their own thing, have their own way. Instead of let's follow the way, capital W. It's really not about you, it's all about Him. I'm glad you're amen. You know, no one's going to run the aisles on this stuff, I know. (laughs) But it's the truth. You want me to preach the truth? Do you want me to preach the truth? Here's what another man said. It's less of a transaction and more of a transformation. Romans 12, 1, 2. Jesus concludes the Sermon on the Mount with this, Matthew 7. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? We preached a whole series on that. The very last thing, here's what he says right at the end. I mean, you know, the last thing you say is pretty important. It sums up everything, right? Matthew 7, 26, 27. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, when are we going to take this seriously? We'll be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand when the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew. Hello, tribulation. Maybe not the tribulation, but how many know tribulation is coming? And beat on that house. How many feel like the enemy's beating on the house? And it fell, and great was its fall. It's wonderful that you're a listener but you need to be a follower.